You're listening to the Boss Business of Surgery series, episode 86. It's official. The Become the Boss MD book is out. So go to bosssurgery.com and click that link to get your book now. Today's episode talks with Dr. Claire Isbell. We talk about what happens when you're in the wrong job. She went from one toxic job to another until she started figuring out what she was able to do for her career. If you find yourself in this position, go to bosssurgery.com. I have a resource called Feeling Safe at Work, five things you could do right now to have a better life at work. Welcome surgeons. Residency didn't teach us everything we need to learn to be a successful surgeon. While we spent our time caring for patients and learning how to operate, we didn't learn how to advocate for ourselves or navigate our career. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Virtues. I'm a general surgeon, certified coach, and founder of the Boss Business of Surgery series. This is where you learn those lessons. Welcome back. I have a great guest today. This is Dr. Claire Isbell. She is a trauma critical care surgeon, and we got talking about difficult jobs, and she's been through a few job challenges. And so I asked her to come on so she could share some of these struggles that she had to help someone who may be in similar situations to let you that you're not alone, that there's hope, and for her to share some of the lessons that she learned in going through all this. So Dr. Isbell, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, thanks, Amy. So yes, I did train in trauma and critical care. Currently, I'm not doing trauma call, which is a big change for me. I don't expect that I've said goodbye to it forever, but I currently work at the Central Texas Veterans Hospital. And so I'm happy there. I'm still doing some critical care with another group in the Austin area. So that's me right now. I have three young kids, nine, 10, and three. And my husband is also a general surgeon. And you were telling me that's how you guys met. So take us through this first job. So, I mean, I know even having the challenge of having another surgeon spouse and having kids, having two kids in training, and then having a child afterwards, take us through the challenges of having a dual surgeon household in this first job. Oh, goodness. Okay. Well, so many challenges, blessings and challenges working with your spouse. So I, I always loved having an ally right there. I still think that he's the one I would call if I had needed advice on a case or anything. So that that's always been a blessing. It's a blessing now because we can talk about our day and it's not, you know, I know, I understand what he's saying. I, I don't need any primers. I don't need to learn the language, but the challenges are there too. I mean, we had partners, some that I liked, some he didn't like. And that would, why do you like that person? Why do you not like that person? And we, we are different. We are just so different, our personalities. So, so that was a challenge, I'm sure for our partners, but it was also a challenge for us. And then just the call commitment was a challenge. So we were in a six person group. So a third of the trauma call for the year was covered by us. So that was, that was tough. And that was something that just happened because we were in the same group. Right. And what were some of the challenges of having a spouse in the same group? So I think mainly some of the challenges were disagreements that may happen with your spouse and a partner. And I think many times we were looked as a single unit. We were looked at as a single unit. And if it's a husband-wife issue, I would always support my husband. But if it's a surgical opinion issue, I didn't always agree. So most of the time that probably caused more issues between my husband and I than (laughs) my partners and I just because maybe I wouldn't agree with him on certain issues or I would see things in a different way. So I do th- feel like there, there probably was some 
intimidation on behalf of like from from our side we weren't trying to be intimidating but i could see how it would be to partners with a married couple in a group and then vacation vacation scheduling was always really hard so just getting vacation off because if we were gone then that was a third of the practice was gone right and i mean especially in a small group i mean a third of it being gone can be a challenge for sure no you mentioned that and this is true i think for most jobs like the impression that we have is I'm going to train really hard and I'm going to get out and I'm going to get a job and everything's going to be fine and it's going to be predictable and stable. And this is what we have, (laughs) which is, I do not think the vast majority of people's experiences. (laughs) So (laughs) really not. (laughs) Yes. Take us through some of the turmoil, the the specific problems that you guys had in this practice, because beyond being a married couple in the practice, what were some of the challenges that your practice Mm. experienced? Oh my goodness. Yes. Our practice did experience some, some significant challenges. The division director who sort of recruited me, who was one of my mentors, one of my staff, I went off to fellowship and he recruited me back. He died tragically in a rock climbing accident about a month after I started in the practice. So, and I knew all of the partners pretty well. I was the only female in the group and for a long time, for probably five years after I was the first female and the only female in the group for a while. We then tried heavily to recruit, which was pretty tough. Just being our location, people didn't want to come to a small town. It was difficult to recruit, although we had a really great clinical exposure, but we finally did recruit someone. And unfortunately, that person didn't stay too terribly long. So then we were left without a division director. And so we were sort of back at square one, difficulty recruiting, short staff for a long time, extra call, longer hours, sort of longer hours for us as a married couple. Then about four years in, five, four and a half years in, I got pregnant. So I knew I was going to be out on maternity leave. My husband went out for shoulder surgery. A partner left. Then COVID happened. (laughs) And so we were short-staffed. I was going to go out, and then there was COVID. So those are some of the challenges that we faced. (laughs) Yes, and it's so, I mean, especially in times of COVID, I think everyone had some turmoil too, but when you have these practices, these challenges of trying to have a life at home and work is a little turbulent and there has to be coverage and things like that. And then having leadership turnover and things like that could be a challenge for sure. Now take us through the the experience of your maternity leave. Now I, you being the only female surgeon in your group, I imagine you probably felt a little bit of, I don't know, shall we say bias? What were some of the things you went through? (laughs) I'm kind of a sort of gullible or a little clueless most of the time. Like I think looking back, there's been a lot of talk about bias. There's been a ton of talk about microaggression, macroaggression, and only looking back now after it's been sort of discussed that I can recognize times when there were aggressions towards me and even biases and some a lot of unconscious bias. But then right before I went on a maternity leave, there was some pretty strong, obvious bias. Some negative things were said about me about my, my work ethic or how I wasn't working very much because I, I wasn't taking as much trauma call at, towards the end. I was, I was also 40 whenever I had my third baby. So I was considered like higher risk, I guess. And I was, I think, 37, 38 weeks when, when I went off trauma call. And then I didn't go out on maternity leave. Actually, I was 36 weeks. I didn't go out on maternity leave till 38 weeks. And so I was, my division director did say some negative things about me to my husband with regard to me not taking enough trauma call, 
him being worried that I was going to lose my skills. How can I be gone for two more months? Like that's too long. I mean, these are all things that I was, they weren't said directly to me. So that was also a stress. I mean, it was stressful for my husband to hear that too. And for his boss to say that kind of thing to him about his wife, who's also a partner. So that was, that was hard. Also, I didn't mention this to you before, Amy, but also while I was on maternity leave, I had been the ICU director and I got a phone call telling me that I wouldn't be the ICU director when I came back. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was going one of my partners was going to be the ICU director. <laughs> so, yes. and, and also, I know that you would try to take a vacation as well. And what were, what was the response when you're trying to take a vacation as well? So we did want to schedule a vacation. I think I took, I took two months of maternity leave and we were trying, my husband and I, who again was one of my partners in the same group was trying to take a vacation. I think about a week or two after I came back from maternity leave and I was asked by my chairman and then also my division director why I could not take it during the maternity since I was already going to be, he didn't say on vacation, but he said out on leave. Yes. Or why couldn't I schedule it at a different time? Or I, I don't know, just not while I was on maternity leave. So. And this is some of the biggest challenge with maternity leave is that it is viewed, at least unconsciously, as a vacation. You're gone. Everyone thinks that we're just sitting there not doing anything and not really recognizing how stressful that is. And I remember my, my first child thinking like sleep deprivation. I got this. This is, this is what I've trained for. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, that first week, that second week, you really start to feel it. And so it, it's oh, a yeah. vacation, but someone who is not familiar with maternity leave and having kids and being at home with them just don't understand. And the comments that are made, they're, they're showing what they're thinking, which unfortunately, when they say it out loud, we start to see what they're thinking. It's a little bit hard sometimes to deal with because it starts to show us what they think of us. And that can be really challenging. And so there's the unconscious part where you're like, is this what they really think of me? And then there's the overt things of saying, yeah. <laughs> don't you take your vacation while you're on your vacation <laughs> and you'll lose your and job. No, and I'm just, okay. <laughs> I'll have to get a new set of non-milk stained pajamas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, and you're going to lose your skills. And so if you're not really prepared for these comments, you can internalize them and mean that like the first time a complication happens, we don't have the fortitude to be able to tell ourselves this is not true. And it's an unconscious thing right. that kind of flips up over time that we don't even recognize if we're not conscious of what happens. And so take us through this, what eventually happened. So I think you were at the job for about five years with your spouse and then yes. what happened? Mm-hmm. So it seemed like some things were shifting and changing around the time of COVID. I remember it was like June and I was out on maternity leave and some strange things were going on. I wasn't really sure what all the politics were of it, but I was usurped as the ICU director. The overall uh, larger ICU director was, he left. That was sort of a I think of forcing out and he had been there for 20 plus years. And so he and I still work together now at a different job. But so then I came back from maternity leave. I was a vice chair in the department and I was called into my, I had a scheduled meeting with my chairman to discuss plans for quality for the next year. So I go with the, with a list of what I plan to do. And I'm told that I can no longer work in the same division as my husband there at four o'clock on a Monday afternoon. It was like August 30th or 31st. I remember. And I just felt blindsided and really confused. I think I'd been back at the job for about three weeks 
and wasn't really given a reason. And then I sort of stopped the conversation, asked for a reschedule of it. And ultimately, nothing was much told to us other than we couldn't work together. We were told we, in our presence in the division, made everybody feel uncomfortable. My husband left shortly thereafter. And then I left about two months later. And that was three weeks after your maternity leave? That was about three weeks after I came back. Oh, no, I'm sorry. More like seven weeks after I came back. Yeah, seven weeks. So seven weeks after your maternity leave, after working there for five years with your spouse, they say we are now uncomfortable with your presence. Yes. Okay. I mean, no no HR comments, no complaints, really no no disagreements with anybody. Amy, like the entire time. And my spouse had been there for five years prior to me joining as a staff. Yes. I can only imagine what that was like. And so you, so your husband decides to leave. What was the job like for you after he left? Oh, I just felt we have a residency program, which is just, that was probably the the biggest loss that I endured leaving that job. And thankfully I'm working with the residents again, but I just felt isolated and I, I, I just felt maligned and I, I don't know. I just felt really, I didn't know what was, I felt like there was whispers. People were talking. I, I, everybody was saying that my husband got fired, that, that he got walked out of the building, <laughs> which didn't happen. And no one ever talked to the residents. So the residents all were asking questions. Nobody really knew what was happening. I didn't have any answers. I could only say what they told me, which was not much. So, and then I didn't really get any, I, I didn't speak to our, my division director or my chairman for a really long time, for like two months. I, I don't think we've, we spoke. And what was the ultimate deciding factor for you to leave that job? I just, I just knew there was something about it. I, I knew it wasn't right. I was, there was a difference in me whenever I was going to work. So I was dreading it. I didn't want to go in in the morning. I wasn't joyful about it. I mean, I was like crying all the time. I mean, it was sort of not like, it wasn't who I was and it was making me not myself. And I was just thinking, this is not sustainable. I mean, I can't see that this is going to happen. I had planned, once my, my husband left, I had started to make plans to leave. I had looked for jobs and I was trying to be prudent and find another job, but at some point, I just said I had to have faith and say, this is not the right place for me. This is not healthy for me to stay here. It's negatively affecting me. It's going to ne- bleed into my marriage. It's going to bleed into my family life. And I just have to leave this situation. I, so that's, that's kind of what happened. And I, so my plan was to stay until I found another job, but I just left. Okay. So you just left. And I know that you mentioned that you had about a month where you were not working. And what was that month like? Yes. I mean, it went by very quickly, but it was also a little scary. (laughs) So I had some jobs kind of in the works, but I really didn't know what was going to happen to my career. I didn't know if I would ever do research again. I didn't know if I would ever do trauma again. I I didn't know if I was going to have a critical care career again. I mean, so all of those things were scary, not knowing, doing something. And I've gone through the thing where it, you feel like your career defines you. I, but I don't feel that's not what was scary to me. What was scary was 
just not knowing if we were going to be okay. My husband and I, I mean, of course, that's irrational. We're going to find jobs and be okay. But what does that road look like? And how much damage is going to be done to us and our family? Are we going to have to move? Are we going to have to uproot everything? And it's just the unknown was really scary. I think, I mean, I think I'm a planner. I mean, the unknown is kind of terrifying. Mm -hmm. And so you go into this next job and take us through what that job was like. So I ultimately, I went to work with a critical care company. I still work with them, but I wanted surgical experience because I was just med surge. And so I went to work with a different group in a different town, not far from where we live. And unfortunately, I just found another toxic environment, (laughs) which was just really upsetting. And kind of, I was like, what's wrong with me? Why am I going? Is it me? You always wonder, is it me? Is there something wrong with me? And my 40 one-year-old self said, or 40, I guess I was 42 then said, shut up, Claire. It's not you. You're not 20 years old anymore. It's not you. This is not the right place for you. And you're knowing that it's not right. So I worked there three months and gave notice and left three months later. And looking back now, what were some of the red flags? Were the red flags that you could have seen or looking back, knowing what the final answer was that you were always going to leave? What were some of the things that came up that, that led this is, this is not okay. This is probably not me. (laughs) It was a lot of nonverbal things. And okay. A few things that I guess should have been more, more red flags. Their turnover had been, had not, had been a little high as well. They had had two people leave, I think in the six months before, which is not always a red flag, but it was in that scenario. And they had their their trauma medical or their trauma coordinator left also. And she came highly recommended from another program. And then I just, the first time I was there, there was just this body language that was going on between the division members. And it was just, it was very strange. It was so strange. That's why it was very subtle. It was like, I was like, am I crazy? Am I taking crazy pills? I mean, thankfully I was, I'm serious. And I was like, I, I, I was like, I mean, are they like, are they, are they do making these eyes at me? Or are they rolling their eyes at me? Like, is this is what's happening? And, and so thankfully I had a really good relationship with all the APPs and they were basically like, yeah, it's not you. It is you, but it's not you. <laughs> they were like, they were like, they were like, I mean, cause I always like, you have the check boxes and you want to do a good job. And I was like, surely if I do a good job and I don't make any mistakes and take good care of patients, I'm not going to have any problems, but that's just not the case. Yeah, They were, they have a lot of negativity, a lot of bravado. That's my opinion. And I just did not fit. I didn't fit with it. And, and, and it was at that point, I'm kind of glad I had that other experience because who knows how long I would have stayed there. I mean, yes. I don't know second guessing myself like dummy, but (laughs) I think that's what a lot of people don't realize when you get out of residency and get a job, we're used to the supportive environment of the residency and the fellowship and the residency Mm -hmm. and the fellowship. We are there. I mean, they are there to help build us up. Like our success is their success. And in the job, our success, nobody cares about our success. They, They really don't. And so they only care about our success and what we can do for them, but it's not the same. It's it's basically learning that it's a lot more hostile out there potentially, or at least they don't understand. And it's not the same environment of everyone is in this to accomplish something. And so it's very easy to find yourself in these environments. And then they're by their nature isolated, where we're in a new place. We've joined somewhere else. 
maybe with or without history. And it's very, very easy to fall into the trap of thinking that it's us. And just like you said, you had the experience of knowing that these things happen and it doesn't have to be me. Sometimes it's just the environment is terrible. And just like you said, like you could have potentially been in that job for a long time. And these difficult jobs can make us worse surgeons because we start second guessing ourselves. And yes, you know, going into the job with dread and isolation and fear and concern and loneliness and frustration and insecurity leads us to not show up as our best self. And then we start getting these results that start proving mm-hmm. that. And so this can be a cycle to where it can be career ending and it doesn't have to be unless you are able to find some way for someone to say, Hey, what is, I don't think it's you. And that's why I think that these talks of experiences that people have in these bad jobs is so important is we start showing people who are in a job and asking themselves, is it me? I'm, I'm not sure it's me. We can start showing people that you can start questioning your environment. It may not be mm-hmm. that you really do need to look closely at the effect that these people are having on you to decide if this is a place where you need to stay or whether you really need to go before it really starts having some long-term effects on you. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. So where did you go after that? How did that work? So my husband and I, I guess what really happened during this time that was a side effect, but really the main, I guess the biggest advantage and the biggest accomplishment was that I sort of realigned what I wanted now in my life now. For years, when I was working with my husband in practice, I constantly felt like I was working too much. I felt like I I was missing my kids growing up. And I know not everybody feels that way, but I felt that way. And I was always wanting more time with them. And I was always wanting to be home a little more. And I didn't want to stop working, but I, I wanted to be home a little more. So I said, okay, my marriage is a priority. It's been strained for a long time. It had been strained because we were working together because it's hard. It's hard to work together and then work so much. You're both emotionally exhausted. You have like nothing to give each other and you need a lot, especially when you're doing trauma, when you're in critical care, when you're having complications or you see people die, you really need to like somebody to help you through that. And both of us were so drained. It was just really hard. So we have, we had some rebuilding to do as well. And so I just, I said, okay, what, this is now, I'm going to do this for a little bit. So I decided to come to the VA and that was a hard decision for me too. Like I was thinking, am I leaving trauma forever? I mean, that's kind of defined me is, does it define me? Sort of these questions, these self-exploratory questions that I was asking. And right now in this chapter of my life or this season or whatever you want to call it, I'm very happy with where I am, but I know it is a season. I mean, my kids are going to be grown one day. They're not going to be around forever. And all, as long as I can keep my foot in the, in the pool, like I can still swim later in life. I mean, swim more or dog paddle or do whatever. I know that's a bad analogy, but I mean, so I'm just, I'm just saying like, I, I think that I'm happy where I am. So I'm at the VA, I'm doing general surgery. I feel like mostly I'm a hernia surgeon now, but I still like to do big cases. I'm doing ICU at the VA and then I do some critical care still with another group, like in the, in the civilian world. So I kind of like made this 
clinical career for myself, but it wasn't like it was the first thing I did. I tried a couple different things and this is what is working for me now. And I sort of wrote it myself. Like they don't, I work full time at the VA and I take my leave time to go do this other job. And sometimes I take leave without pay because I still want to do critical care in civilian world, but it works for me. And so I just, you can do, you can make your life what you want it. It's just sometimes it's hard, hard kind of, it's kind of clunky when you get there until you get there. And I mean, I think that your path is so remarkable because you did sort of follow the default path and this is the practice. And then like, wait, what is going on here? And then going on to another job saying, oh no, not this. And then realizing that you actually don't have to follow the path. You could create your own path. And look, it seems like you centered based on your values and what you wanted out of life. And then you made the career work around your life rather than vice versa, which is what we tend to do is kind of give everything to us. Like the job is our life and our identity. And which is why when it goes a little bit sideways that that hurts us the most because it mm-hmm. feels like there's something wrong with us rather than this is the job experience and it's like the wild west out there feels that way doesn't it <laughs> i know and i mean i think about it sometimes like i don't know if that what would have happened if it was been like 3 years into practice for me if i would be as happy as i am now where i am but there's like that i feel like around 3 to 4 years you really start to be more comfortable you're not you're not as worried about the anastomosis or <laughs> you're not, you're not staying up at night as much for certain things. And so I, I'm pre- pretty confident and I'm confident in my surgical skills now. And I, I don't feel like I need as much reassurance. So I don't know what it would have been like at a different time in my life, if it would have been earlier in my career, but this is what happened for me. So. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think that the reason why we get more comfortable over years is like initially we worry about worst case scenario. So mm-hmm. it's like the worry and living in the worst case scenario all the time is the problem. Mm-hmm. And then you have enough experience, you you actually experience worst case scenario and you realize you'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay and, every, and everything's fine and I'm not a terrible surgeon and these things happen. And so now we already know how we'll manage the worst case scenario, because typically we've been through some worst case scenarios and mm-hmm. able to support ourselves beyond that. And then I, I've also seen a, a distinct pattern of about six to seven years after training, we call it like the mid-career slump. I talked to Dr. Keynes about this in an earlier episode about this mid-career slump. It's funny because he thought it was just him. I was like, no, I see it in everybody. You've done mm-hmm. it all, you've seen it all. And now you're like, okay, now what's next? I'm used to having something new and interesting and achieving and, and what's mm-hmm. next. And then that's when that's when the real fun happens, when we start designing our own careers. And you were just a little ahead of the game because of realizing like, I can't do this forever. And creating this this own pathway in your own career is pretty remarkable. And I and I started doing robotics, which I really enjoyed. And the VA, I mean, coming here, that I wasn't going to be able to do that in my in my initial job. We were just too busy. We were short. It was just something that wasn't on the agenda or the priority for our group at the at the big the level one center. And so that's been a really amazing thing because I. I love robotics. And so I got to start doing that. So that was a little new adventure too. And you start to realize is that when you get out of your own way and you stop worrying about these other things is really like we are the creators of our job experience. We do not have to Mm -hmm. be the reactors of whatever environment is thrown at us. You can leave jobs. And I get this all the time of like, what are people going to think if I leave this job? And 
it's it's interesting because what will people think if we leave the job? It means we're not going to stay at crappy jobs. <laughs> I mean, I've asked myself that same question. I mean, what are people going to think if I leave this job? What are people going to think if I, I mean, no offense, I'm a VA surgeon, but go to the VA. Like, what are people going to think? I mean, sometimes VA has a a thought everybody the VA is slower they're inefficient but I want to be the exception and I have to tell you I love the veterans it's been a an amazing unexpected plus coming here and treating the veterans I'm very grateful it's it's been amazing but anyway so all those thoughts like and I have to tell myself like who cares this is your life they're not living your life <laughs> we don't tune into our thoughts and we don't always recognize offering ourselves high quality thoughts or how we get out of situations but I mean, what an amazing mm-hmm. thought that you offered yourself is when you ask yourself the question, what are people going to think? And you answer, they're going to think I'm the exception. Like I'm the one who's mm-hmm. going to make the change. And I mean, what a remarkable yeah. way to, to look at life of saying, I, I see this stereotype and they're wrong. And I'll show you why they're wrong. And that's pretty mm-hmm. amazing to have that self-concept and, and self-confidence in yourself to say, this is who I am. And I'll, and I'm not worried about what other people think because I define what I think. Well, thanks, Amy. You're giving me too much credit. <laughs> well, anyway, so um, it's good. It's good. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I mean, really, I really appreciate you sharing your story because I see this all the time and the people that I coach of, they think it's them. There are so many bad jobs out there. There's so many humans with unmanaged minds that are, and typically they don't tell us. And so we hear it secondhand and, and we hear all these things all the time. And my goal is to show people that this happens. It's not you. You're not isolated. You're not alone. There's nothing wrong with you. And what that does is it puts the control back into us to where we can really start defining what we want in life. And then we start making great choices. And then we go to the VA because it's a great job for work-life balance. And then we bring exceptional surgeons to there. And then the norm becomes the VA is where the exceptional surgeons go because they respect us as humans. Mm -hmm. So there's we have the power and ability to change our lives. And we also have the power and ability to change the system. And we change the system, but we have to deal with ourselves first by challenging the concepts that come up. And I think that you have done that and you managed to go through two relatively terrible experiences and you came out much better as a result of it. And I I don't, I can tell already that you don't see it, but I see it. (laughs) Well, thanks. I, I mean, I feel good, but I don't know if it's exceptional. I mean, they were pretty bad experiences, but it's like, we've all been through residency. We just kind of keep going. Just kind of go to tomorrow's another day. So anyway, I, yeah, I do want people to just know that it is scary, the unknown, but I mean, you can make it your own. I mean, you're a surgeon. You can make it your own. I tell people all the time when they get down, I was like, you just forgot who you were. You're like a freaking surgeon. You like cut people open and cure disease. You can make it your own. Like exactly, exactly. We just forget, so we just have to remind ourselves who we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Dr. Claire Isbell, thank you so much for coming on. You have a remarkable story, and I'm so appreciative that you shared it with us. And I just wish you the very best of luck, and definitely keep in touch and let us know how your life is going. All right. Thank you so much, Amy. Have a good day. For more information on the BOSS Business of Surgery series, go to bosssurgery.com.